the uh, Odyssey by Homer, a classic, of course, required reading in no few Western, Western Civ uh, literature courses. Uh, the Odyssey, Homer's great work, the mythical tale of Odysseus's homeward journey on his way back from the Trojan War, uh, among the many hazards that Odysseus and his men encountered were the sirens. The sirens, these two creatures, really two, two monsters disguising themselves as two beautiful women who desire to draw, to lure um, foolish sailors towards the sound of their melodious voices, uh, not to lavish gifts upon them and the fruits and wonders of the island on which they dwell, but rather to slaughter them. So uh, Odysseus has a dilemma. He has to go past this particular island where the sirens dwell. How then will he literally navigate those waters? So he comes up with this solution, and the solution is that uh, he will take a big chunk of beeswax and portion it out in small little bits to his crewmen, who then will take bits of that beeswax and put it in their ear there and to block the sound of the songs of, of the siren. He himself, however, will be tightly lashed to the mast of the ship and t with orders, strict orders that he has given to his men before they arrive uh, there near the sirens, that no matter what he says, no matter how much he pleads, to ignore what he says, in fact, if need be, tighten those ropes and sail on, making all haste to get past those sirens. That's the plan. It works out. Therein, disaster is averted. Well, as I said a moment ago, the Odyssey, Homer's work, is a classic. And one of the reasons is, well, it lasts. It has these abiding values, these touchstone themes that we keep hearkening back to. The sirens. We think of the sirens. The siren call. We use that as an expression sometimes in, in describing uh, the temptations that come upon us and the, the pull of different messages, the pull of different views of, of different ideas, of uh, possibilities and, and paths that we could go on and, and take. The reality is there is a danger. We, we all know this. Whatever endeavor, whatever life path we're on, the, there's a danger of losing our bearings. There's a danger of losing our bearings, and that is no less true in the Christian life. There's a danger of losing our bearings to a different kind of siren song. And Jesus is speaking to something of that and right into the teeth of that. And here in Matthew 30, 13, excuse me, Matthew 13. So if you have a Bible, if you'd ask you to turn there with me. Uh, we are pushing on through this series of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the first of the books in the New Testament, is the first of the four Gospels that we have. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We are in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, this is the, I said this a few weeks ago, Matthew 13 is the third of five major teaching sections that Matthew gives us and how he has organized his gospel. Matthew 13 is predominantly a series of parables whereby Jesus is explaining and illustrating what he calls the gospel of the kingdom of heaven or the gospel of the kingdom of God. We're going to be looking at one of those a series of these parables now. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 44, reading on down through verse 52. Hear now the word of God. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Let's pray together for a moment. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to delve into your perfect law. Would you revive our souls? To your sure testimony, would you make wise the simple? To your right precepts, oh, would you bring joy to our hearts? To your pure commands, oh, would you enlighten our eyes? We thank you for the riches here before us. We thank you for these parables, for these stories, how they have a way of getting under our skin. Oh, we ask that you would make them memorable in the deepest possible sense here this morning, that you would meet us and teach us. Give us greater, deeper, truer understanding of your person and your work, and what it looks like to follow you. In we name, your name we pray. Amen. Jesus summarizes his message, I said this a moment ago, as the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. That's the way he summarizes it in his own very words, meaning the very rule and reign of God that is coming down upon earth itself. Which is to say that things are not now uh, how they are meant to be. Things are not now how they will forever be. And if you go back and read ancient history, Genesis, you even discover that things are not now how they have always been. Matthew 13, these parables. Again, Jesus tells us these, gives us these to explain and illustrate principles pertaining to the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And in so doing, he tells a series. We've been looking at these over the last several weeks. Some parables predominantly. He's speaking to the crowds regarding different types of soil, regarding wheat and weeds, regarding mustard seed, regarding leaven. Mostly those are focused upon the crowds. This next series that he is telling, that we just read a moment ago, are predominantly geared towards his disciples telling his disciples in order... These stories, again, same principle, same uh, concept, same theme of the, the kingdom of heaven, intending to summarize, basically, it would seem everything that he has taught thus far regarding the kingdom, to summarize all of that, but at the same time, mobilize. To mobilize his followers. Now, why would he feel the need to do this? And I have to go back to the sirens. Because the reality is this gospel message, truly wonderful and with all of its transformative power and significance that it has to the degree that we are hearing it, is oftentimes hard to hear. 
because of other voices that drown it out. Or hard to see because of other things that eclipse it, that obscure it from our view. And so Jesus, knowing that and understanding that, is telling us these things to summarize what he has said thus far and to mobilize us, to push us, to press us. He is, put it this way, Jesus has made us citizens, followers of Jesus today, Christians. He has made us to be citizens of his kingdom. He has made us to be citizens of this very kingdom that he's been explaining and illustrating all along. He made us to be citizens of his kingdom. We must then keep these things that he's talking about in these parables before us. It's who we are, citizens of his kingdom. So therein, no matter how hard it is to see that, no matter how hard it is to hear that, no matter how easy it is to forget that, there are some things that we have to keep there in front of us, lest we lose sight, lest we forget what are those things? There are three in particular, I think, that come out in, in this text in the course of these parables. Things that we need to keep in front of us. Things that if we don't, we are going to surely forget. First, the need to assess the kingdom. This is in your outline. First, they need to assess the kingdom. Secondly, they need to await the kingdom. And thirdly, the need to announce the kingdom. So, assess, await, and announce. Let's look at these in turn. First, verses 44 through 46 it's a parable pair, is what I'll call that. So I'm taking them together as one. Verse 44, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. He's pressing upon us here the need to assess the kingdom, to assess it rightly, to see its great value. That's the main thing that comes out in this parable pair. Now, some background is helpful just that we would understand this and, and hear it just a little bit better. We need to understand that in those days, in, in the ancient world, they did not have what we are accustomed to when it comes to banks, where you can deposit things and secure things. So it was actually not unheard of to take treasure, to take valuables, and to hide it away somewhere, if not even bury it in a field. So what Jesus is speaking of here is certainly not unheard of for his listeners. And now regarding this pearl of great value, divers in those days were, even in those days, known to go and search into the depths of the Red Sea and the Persian Gulf and the Indian Ocean looking for extraordinary treasures, pearls in particular, that we know today would have, in terms of value, been tantamount to the worth of millions of dollars, some of the ones that they would find down in those depths. So that's what you, you see there in terms of some of the background. Now, the significance, what is the imagery? Where do we go with the imagery? What does Jesus intend, where does he intend for us to go with some of these, this imagery? Well, let's look, think with me about the differences between the two. The subtle differences between these two parables. The worker in the field stumbles upon this treasure. The merchant, however, is searching intently for it. You notice that? And the kingdom is like that. Some are to stumble upon it. And some, however, spend their lives seeking for it. Those are the subtle differences, but however we find it, however we discover it, whether by stumbling or seeking, the similarities are clear, and that is 
what each man here sees and sells, the value and everything. Because the value of the kingdom is so great, it is worth sacrificing everything to attain it. That's the message of these parables. There's some other things we could talk about to be sure, but the essential core message of this parable pair is this. The value of the kingdom is so great that it is worth, worth our sacrificing everything to attain it. The lesson being, assess the value of the kingdom and assess it rightly. Or put it this way, to rightly see the value of the kingdom is to sacrifice everything for it and to know at the same time there's actually no sacrifice involved when you understand what it is that you have gained. To sell all, to have this treasure, in essence means to be sold out for Jesus. To sell everything, to give up everything, for the king and his kingdom is to say, I am all in with all I am. That is what he's telling us here. He has made us to be citizens of his kingdom. Therein we need to assess the value of this kingdom. Okay, well that flows right on into the second point. The next parable that he tells, this parable of the net, the reality being that not everyone sees this reality. And that creates some tension. Jesus in the Beatitudes, the very last one, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. As you live this way, as that's your true north, your, that's your heart, as a citizen of the kingdom, you should expect tension and persecution. And Well, so he tells us here in verses 47 and 50, take heart. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind when it was full Men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The need to await the kingdom and recognize the reality of a coming judgment. The reality of a coming judgment. Again, some background here. As is the case today, certainly was the case then, there are various different ways to fish, various different te techniques, and even different types of nets that were and are used. The drag net is what Jesus is describing here, a large net at the top of which you have these uh, little float things that are keeping it up at the surface of the water, and then at the bottom you have these weights that are keeping it down, and then the the sailors, the fishermen, are pulling that net, you know, stretched up high, stretched up low, and they're in ensnaring and catching fish as they pull it towards the shore. That's the image as Jesus is moving here from imagery of, of uh, farming earlier to now fishing. And that then takes us to the sorting. You may be wondering, well, why, why are they throwing some of these fish away? What's, are they carp? I mean, what's, what's the problem? Um, this is a Jewish context. These are Jewish fishermen. And so they were commanded because of the Levitical laws, the ceremonial laws, that they, it, when they came upon fish that had no scales or, or fins, those were ceremonially unclean, bad, as Jesus is referring to, and had to be thrown out. It's the other fish that you could then keep. And that's what he's talking about. It's the imagery that he's capturing here, and his hearers understood this, the significance of this. It's, it's worth noting that th this short little parable in some ways encapsulates 
an earlier parable that Jesus has already told in Matthew 13, and that is the parable of the weed, the wheat and the weeds, where he, he makes clear and helps us understand that, look, both the wheat and the weeds are intermeshed. They're growing alongside one another and will continue to do so until the harvest, at which time there will be this separation. And Jesus is, again, he's moving from the, the world of farming to fishing here, but speaking really of the same thing, now speaking literally, pointedly of the end of the age, a coming judgment. The lesson being that the kingdom has come, but not yet in full. The future has invaded the present. The future has arrived, but that sorting, that separation still yet awaits. But it's coming. It's coming. So, as martyrs and victims of injustice and persecution are all over this globe and all throughout history cry out, How long? The answer from the Lord Himself is, A little longer, but hold on. A little longer, but hold on. Do you see, in understanding this news of this sorting and separation, in that way, that is profoundly good news. Good news of the kingdom, and therein again the need to await, if indeed we are citizens of Jesus' kingdom. Awaiting, awaiting the fullness of the coming of the kingdom. Now with all of that in mind, the assessing of its value and the need to await its full and final coming, he then takes us to a, th a third point, and that is the need to announce it. Given these things that are true, right? Assessing its value and the reality of, of its coming in full and the need to await, there in, then comes the need to announce it. And so we pick that up in verses 51 and 52. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is something that we dare not keep to ourselves. Jesus is speaking here of the necessity of witness, the necessity of testifying. A scribe, the, the background here. Let me, uh, before I get get ahead of myself, the background of some of this, what was understood in the images that Jesus is using. The master of this house is understood just by implication to be a wealthy man, and in that culture, therein would have been most likely a, a quite hospitable host, no matter what that would have involved, that cost to himself to care for his guests. And that's certainly what you see here. As he goes and finds the treasures of the house, as the master of the house, he goes inside and finds apparently a lock box, a store box of, of some kind, a strong box of some kind, and brings out the coins, sharing, giving of what he has as the, the host to uh, his guests. And the significance of this, uh, okay, here's where the scribe comes in. The, understanding the role of the scribe. Part of that involved in those days as a Jewish scribe, the role of a teacher. Taking the people to the Word of God to the scriptures, that they would understand its meaning and implication for their lives. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, you 
are to now serve in that capacity. You are to take the people to this message and the message to this people. And with that also, you need to understand that you have a treasure. You have a message that is so far beyond that which any scribe before you has ever had. For there is an oldness and a newness. Everything about Jesus' message and His ministry, His words and His works, is a fulfillment of everything that came before. All the Old Testament era, the, 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 the history, the, the main individuals, the events, the architecture of the tabernacle and the temple and the ceremonies and the holy days and the priesthood and the kings and all of that, pointing towards Him. Pointing towards Him. If I can put it this way, so therein there's an ancient freshness to the gospel of the kingdom. There's something old about it, but something somehow new at the same time. And the lesson there is for us is that there's this, because of that, there's the necessity of witness, of telling, of testifying, of announcing the kingdom, which then makes me ask this question of myself and of all of you, all of us. Do we know what we have? Do we know what treasure has been given to us? Do we understand that the gospel of the kingdom is not just one more message competing among others in the great marketplace of ideas? This is the treasure of treasures. This is the, the, the treasure worth giving up everything we have and going all in. Do we know that this is not just a bit of good advice as to what to do, but it is actually glorious news of what's been done? And that makes it the treasure of treasures. This is the message that every man, woman, and child on the face of this globe was hardwired to hear, including you and me as we go forth announcing it. We've been made citizens of the kingdom. And part of what that means demands announcing the good news of the kingdom. Now again, as I started off, at times this is just hard to see. It's just hard to see. Sometimes it's hard to believe. We lose sight of, of these things, assessing and awaiting and announcing. Now, I can't identify with what I'm about to share with you really strictly. I've read about it. But, you know, what it's like to be flying as a pilot in adverse weather conditions and such that your visibility is, is hemmed in and really limited. I'll read you something I came across a few days ago. In the aftermath of the death of John Kennedy Jr. in 1999, amateur pilot Stephen Hedges wrote about the difficulty of flying a plane by instruments alone a necessary skill if you want to fly at night or in fog. Without this skill, it is easy for a pilot to fall into an uncontrolled bank and crash. During one instrument lesson, Hedges noted, I flew the headings and turns as instructed, but even with 10 hours of instrument flying in my logbook, I was amazed at how quickly the plane slid into a banking turn if I diverted my attention for just a few moments. The first time it happened, a pang of panic shot through me 
a momentary fear that made it even more difficult to comprehend what the plane was doing. But when he heard his instructor next to him calmly say, watch your bank, had just quickly leveled the plane. With this series of parables, in many ways, what Jesus is saying to us is, watch your bank. Watch your bank. We've been called, made, citizens of his kingdom. Ours is a new loyalty, a new allegiance. At the same time, clear as that is, our experience bears out, that can be a struggle because of the, the, the pull upon us and the pressures within us, the sirens. Therein the need to strive all the more by God's grace to keep these things before us, to watch our bank. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is good news indeed. Oh, to hear of your rule and reign asserting itself upon this earth. To hear that our response is not to then do anything, but to entrust ourselves to you, the King, who has done all on our behalf. It's good news indeed, but we confess this morning, even as good as all that is, at times we are hard of hearing and oh so nearsighted. The wounds and the patterns of our past the pressures that we feel in our present, the fear, anxiety, worries for our future. We are so prone to seize the wheel, to assert ourselves again as rulers of our own poor, little, impoverished kingdoms. Jesus, have mercy upon us. By your grace, help us to assess your kingdom to await your kingdom, and to announce your kingdom. As you call us to, and as we were made to, in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask my fellow elders to join me down front. We are going to continue in the course of this service of worship in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. We've been